0: Welcome to this podcast from Riverside Church Whitstable. We hope you find it helpful and encouraging. If you would like to find out more information about us, why not check out our website at riversideuk.org, our Facebook page, or follow us on Twitter at WhitRiverside. Are you enjoying the series? Yes. Are you feeling like all those poisonous detox stuff is being dealt with and kind of coming out and being put away. Is that, is that where you're at? We've looked at habits, haven't we? We've looked at thoughts. We've looked at spirituality. And the scriptures say this. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you and lead me along the path of everlasting life. You see, God wants to change us. He wants to transform us. Now, he doesn't come to condemn. As we go through this series of soul-searching to identify those things that God wants to put his finger on and say, you know, it's about time we prune that away. or It's about time we dealt with that. The Holy Spirit comes to convict us, but not to condemn. John tells us that Jesus came to save the world, not to condemn it. And Paul tells us in Romans 2 that it's God's kindness that leads us to a place of repentance where we can begin to change. Change of heart and change of mind as God does his deep work within us his love for us means that he forbears with us he puts up with us he sees our struggles he sees our weaknesses but he doesn't give up on us i'm just going to pray this morning that the holy spirit does his work within our hearts within our minds within the depths of our soul. So, Lord, I pray, come, Holy Spirit. Your presence is here. Lord, I pray for our open ears to hear and open hearts to receive all that you have for us this morning. And, Lord, come, change us to be more like Jesus. Amen. So, he said, we've... Um, You must have been very busy over the last few weeks because you've cleaned out your attic, you've emptied your garage, and now we've got to get into that dreaded place. We're going for the wardrobe. Oh, yeah, I'm looking around. I can see fear. You know, we need to get into that wardrobe. We need to get rid of the things that get in the way of good relationships. We've got some bad habits, haven't we, that we store away. And in Colossians 3... Paul writes this, Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourself with compassion, kindness, gentleness, and patience. You need to take off some of the old clothes of the bad habits that you've built up over years and years and years. You need to cast off those defense mechanisms. Replace the worn-out garments and put on the new garment of being Christ-like. You know... We can have relationships, but they can be terribly, terribly shallow and superficial. Merely and simply because of the way we clothe ourselves with our attitudes. What makes for a good, healthy relationship? Well, we're going to explore that a little bit more more as we go on. But of course, we're all different. Now, if you're an extrovert, then you need lots of people, don't you? Because people are good. And enjoying time with people is great. But you know, even extroverts need just a few good, close, deep relationships. And if you're an introvert, well, you don't need people, really. But even if you're an introvert, you need some deep, close relationships. If you're an optimist, you see the best in everybody, but sometimes you need to have real the real truth glasses on, to see how they really are. And if you're a pessimist, well, you see the worst in everybody, so that's easy. <laughs> we all have ways of relating that are not healthy or godly. And it's like an old jumpy. Do you know, you, 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 be with me now, you've got this old jump, haven't you? You, you, you put it on every time and then, then one day it mysteriously disappears. Because the jumper fairy has come along and decided it's too old, it's too baggy, and full of holes. And it's not even good enough for Oxfam. We need to get rid of some of this old stuff, don't we? We judge with our minds, we gossip with our lips, we envy, we avoid, we dislike, we disrespect, we put down. And the list goes on and on and on of the things that really God wants to challenge us about our attitudes. And we've got to put on Christ. And in the Bible, there's lots of things about relationships. But you know, the most perfect relationship that exists is the one between the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, who love, respect, support one another. And it's just like that's the model that we need to follow. So what's relationships all about? What is at the heart of a good relationship? Whenever I get gloomy with the state of the world, I think about the arrivals gate at Heathrow Airport. General opinions starting to make out that we live in a world of hatred and greed. But I don't see that. Seems to me that love is everywhere. Often it's not particularly dignified or newsworthy, but it's always there. Fathers and sons, mothers and daughters, husbands and wives, boyfriends, girlfriends, old friends. When the planes hit the Twin Towers, as far as I know, none of the phone calls from the people on board were messages of hate or revenge. They were all messages of love. If you look for it, I've got a sneaky feeling you'll find that love actually is all around. And there you have it. Love is the key. Love is the key to deep, meaningful relationships. But you know, relationships like a good wine takes time to mature. The first time you meet somebody, you may not know how significant that person is going to be in your life. I can remember meeting these two for the first time. Simon and Keeley didn't know how significant they were going to be, not only in the life of this church, but in my life. It takes time to build deep relationships. You have to be prepared to take risks. It requires honesty to go beyond just being superficial. You see, we all want to be known and to know. We want to be known. God made us... For relationships. It's a human need. First of all, he wants us to have a relationship with him. But then he wants us to have a relationship with each other. When you read the whole of the creation story, there's just one thing that is bad. And God says that's not good. And it's not good that people are alone. And it wasn't good for Adam to be alone. So God made Eve so that he could have somebody to relate to. And the greatest sadness I think that God experienced when Adam and Eve disobeyed him in the garden was the broken relationship that came from that. Because they withdrew. They withdrew because they were afraid. And fear has become a big factor in how we relate to God and how we relate to each other. We desperately want to be known. We want to be loved. We want to be appreciated. We want to be recognized. But we all fear the fact that if somebody really did know us, if somebody knew that piece of us that we just don't want anybody to see, the piece that we're so ashamed of that we keep hidden deep down inside, that nobody, let alone God, would want to know us. We've all got bits that we really don't want to be out there in the public domain. But God wants to come along and detox us and take those things away and put on us a fresh garment of Christ-likeness. You know, what's immensely encouraging is that God knows all about you. He knows all about me and he hasn't given up on you and he hasn't given up on me. He still loves you. He still wants to be in relationship with you. He still cares for you. He still wants the best for you. You know, Christ died that we might come back into relationship with God. That we might come home to the Father. You know, he knows all our fears. He knows all our failures. He knows what it is in the darkness of the night in the hidden room where we do the things that we are not proud of. Where we think the thoughts that we shouldn't have. And he longs to come and help us through those situations, to deal with our struggles, to deal with our weaknesses. He doesn't want us to be alone. He wants us to have deep and rich relationships, first and foremost with him, but then with each other. If you want an abundant life, the abundance of life is in the relationships you have with one another, Nobody regrets spending too much time with their family on their deathbed. Their biggest regret probably is they didn't spend enough time with their family. And God wants us to have this abundant life which is built on rich relationships. Relationships that will see us through the good times when we can laugh together and support us through the not so good times when we weep together. So, wow. Wow. God wants us to be in relationship. Jesus said that we should love one another and that the whole world would know that we're his disciples if we have love for one another. Now, I find this immensely challenging because what it actually says, if you put it down and boil it all down and put it into a nutshell, is people's view of Jesus is shaped for good or for bad by how well we love one another. Whoa, that's scary, isn't it? You see, we want this place to be a place where God is present. We want this place to be a place where people come in and experience his presence. But you know what? I believe that through our worship and through our love for one another, that in some mysterious way intensifies God's presence for people to experience. Wow. Wow. The early church was renowned for the love and care care and compassion it showed to one another. And that's the same kind of reputation we want, isn't it? That we should be a church that's known for the fact that they love one another, they care for one another, they're there for one another. And I believe we are that kind of church. And we need to go deeper into that relationship with God and into relationship with one another. So we're going to look at some habits and some challenges that Jesus puts out about how we should have good relationships. And of course Jesus had some interesting insights in how we should relate to one another. And this first one is all about, um, you read that through, what what does this mean? That we should uh, kind of like, oh, think before we give, think before we worship so you have all come in today and you've offered up your worship to God and you've put some money into a basket or you've paid it out your bank or you've given in some way but, but Jesus is challenges and say hang on a minute are your relationships right are you, are you okay with everybody because right relationships are more important than worship more important than giving and Jesus basically basically saying is actually don't don't give that sacrifice because it's not going to be accepted until you go and sort out the problem you have with somebody else. Be reconciled. Now what do you think some of the hardest words in the world are to say? What do you think? Let's have some suggestions. Oh, well you've got it in one. I'm sorry. How many find it easy to say I'm sorry? Because you're always wrong, so. <laughs> I went to the bank a few days ago, and I had a little transaction to, um, to carry out. Um, they closed my local branch, so I had to toddle over to Herne Bay, and they told me they couldn't deal with it, so I'd have to have an appointment in Canterbury. They were very good. They made me appointment the same day, so I went over and had a chat with a nice uh, young lady. Um, and Mr. her name was Wild I'm not quite sure what that was all about but, um, and we had this good time it took an hour but it was okay I, was, I was needed to get this transaction done but she went away made some phone calls and came back and said look we're okay we're all on, we're all on but we need a bit more information and she told me two things that I needed to do and we talked about something else and then I said okay I'll come back with this additional information so I go away a few days later I get it all together come back again and I Sit down and, how are you? I'm not feeling so great. She says, "Okay, that's fine. I need to make this phone call. I give her the information. She looks at the information. And she says, oh, I think there's something missing. Okay, so she makes this phone call. And yes, there is indeed a piece of information missing that she says she's told me I needed to provide. Now, I go back over the conversation that we had, and at no point in that conversation do I recall her making this particular piece of information necessary. So I just say, I don't think you told me that. And she said, yes, I did. Now, at this point, you know, you know how body language is so important in how we communicate? Yeah? There's this sense of frustration. Okay? Building to, actually, anger. At the fact that, here I am, I've done all this, I've gone backwards and forwards, I've come into Cadbury again. And, you know, we've not got this right. Well, we had another conversation about, yes, I did, no, you didn't. At which point, she did something that I wasn't expecting. She slammed the phone down (laughs) on the person at the other end of the phone, stood up and said, can't deal with this, can't deal with this. Can I get my manager? So I said, yes, okay. And she walked out. Now, I'm sitting there now and I'm thinking, what on earth has just happened? What on earth has just happened? And the manager came back in. She explained that the young lady was pregnant and wasn't feeling too well and da-da-da-da. So I'm thinking, you know, well, okay, she didn't tell me that in you know. I'm going through the whole justification process, okay? And uh, anyway, I say to the manager, well, sorry, I didn't mean to upset your member of staff. We dealt with what I needed to deal with, and I left. And then I had to go into Mark's dispensers for something for Angela, and I'm walking around Master Spencer thinking, how did that conversation get to that place? How did we go from being friendly and chatty one second to actually having a meltdown two seconds later? And kind of God, God said, well, you know, you're actually responsible. It doesn't actually matter whether she was right or wrong, or you were right or wrong. Relationship is about actually how we manage ourselves how we behave, how we, how we do the right thing. So I'm walking around and Spencers and I see this lovely box of chocolates. And so I go and buy the box of chocolates and I go back to the bank and I see the manager and say, can you just keep these to that young lady? And with my apologies, because I really didn't mean to upset her. And that was very well received. And I had a lovely email from her, thanking me, for the chocolates. But we have to learn that saying sorry is so important. You know, we did a thing about women in leadership, and one of the things I kept saying to people was, we may not be able to agree over this, but for goodness sake, let's not put our disagreement above our relationship. Because being in relationship with one another is so important. Jesus says, go and be reconciled to that person you've fallen out with. And if it's your fault, say sorry. It's as so simple as that. The other thing is that um, it's a two-way street, isn't it? Because there's sorry and there's forgiveness. You know what, some of the saddest things I see and have seen as a church leader is the fact that people find it hard to forgive. Jesus wants us to love one another. He wants us to detox ourselves of our bad attitudes. He wants us to be one with each other. He wants there to be unity in the body of Christ. He wants us to be so unified and so loving one another that the kingdom just flows out of us to those around us because we carry the presence we carry the power of the kingdom and we see miracles and great things happening but what doesn't that stops those things what stops those things happening is when we can't forgive one another and there's disunity in the body of christ and when we choose not to forgive we open the door to bitterness and disunity and then the enemy comes along and says oh this is my greatest weapon you know what I'm just going to whisper in your ear that person has upset you. That person has disrespected you. That person has undermined you. That person doesn't appreciate you. You know what? They're awful. They've hurt you. And you nurse the hurt. And you go over it in your mind. And it starts to take root. And it goes from poisoning your mind to poisoning your heart. And soon you can't look at that person in the face. You can't talk to them. You can't go near them. And relationship is broken. We also had a situation um, where somebody did something and it really did upset me. It really upset me. I was steaming. I was hurt. I, couldn't, I just couldn't get my head around why this person would do this kind of thing and how hurtful it was. Now, fortunately, the time of this was I was going off on holiday, and somebody gave me a book, and it was called The Bait of Satan. And it talks about how when we allow ourselves to take offense about somebody else's actions, then that's when Satan comes in, and that's when disunity happens. And I was so challenged by this, that when I came back, I went out of my way To make sure that I always, always, always honoured the person that hurt me. Because that was the right thing to do. I forgave them. I held nothing against them. And that's what we need to do with one another. Because not to do that, it breaks not only our relationship with one another, but it breaks our relationship with the Heavenly Father. Because Jesus said, if you don't forgive those Then your heavenly father's going to be sitting up there going, I don't know. When will they learn? You've got to forgive. I think I've labored that enough, don't you? Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. You know what? We all need friends, we all need good relationships. But all good relationships are based on trust and honesty. And if you don't have trust and you don't have honesty, then relationships don't flourish. And we all need people that speak truth into our lives. Who enjoys people speaking truth into your life? Come on. Ah, yes. There's some honest people in the room. (laughs) It's not comfortable, is it? When you've had to take somebody aside and have a conversation with them, about something is not easy. But not only have we got to be prepared to receive it, we've also got to be prepared to give it. Because if we really love one another, if we really want the best for one another, and we see something that's happening in somebody's life that isn't for their best, then actually it's not love to stay quiet. You see, love admon- admonishes. It challenges. It encourages but it also points the finger at something that needs sorting. You know, the words of a, of a friend, whilst truth, they may sting and they may hurt, but they bring healing. That's what the Bible tells us in Proverbs. God's kindness leads us to repentance. We need to speak the truth in love, with kindness and gentleness we're called to encourage one another to be more Christ-like. I want to see the potential in each one of you come to its fullness so that you reach the fullness of Christ, that you bear the image of Christ, that you relate to one another as Christ. And as we deepen our Christ-likeness and our Christ-centeredness, then this church will truly be good For everyone. Now, good truth telling is done in a timely manner. Now, it's no good saying, "Okay, I'm going to build. I'm going to build up on this." You know, they do it one more time, and I'm going to give it to them. All right? Have you ever been in that situation? You've got the both barrels loaded, (laughs) and you're going to pull the trigger when something happens that you just need to bring to somebody. Do it in a timely manner. Do it with gentleness. Do it with kindness. It's always about the behavior and not about the person. So it's never, you always do that. Because when you say something like that, you're attacking that person. But you point out the fact that maybe when they do this thing and you happen to see them doing it in this particular circumstance and you describe how it went and you describe how it made you feel, then you can have a conversation that's based on truth. Now, if you want to get good at this, who wants to get good at this? Who wants to go around truth-telling? Yeah, dangerous, isn't it? Okay, if you really want to do that, then the best place, you know where the best place to start is, don't you? Right, you do your own truth-tell, first of all. You get your own little list out. And you make a list of those things that you feel actually the Holy Spirit might well be challenging you about. And then you find a trusted friend or two and ask them for some feedback on that list. This is very practical. Because when you do that, then they might say, hang on, you're over-egging that a bit. You're not that bad. Or they might say, you definitely want to work harder on that bit. (laughs) Because you've definitely undersold that. I knew of a guy, he was, in, he was in Christian ministry, and he was a very successful pastor, and he was doing a great job, um, and then somebody from an uh, organization came and invited him to be the lead in this wonderful organization, which meant he would go to lots of meetings, lots of strategy stuff, he'd go out and all these events and you know, have to socialize, shake hands with people, and all this kind of stuff, and he'd, you know, he'd meet Christian celebrities all over the place, and he was kind of like, oh, oh that's an interesting job. But he had some friends he was accountable for, so they sat him down and said, Okay, so what really is what do you you know, what what is gonna be the worst part of this job? He said, Well, oh, hours in meetings. I don't like hours in meetings, I like being with people. Okay, okay. Oh, going to do's and shaking people's hands and all that socializing, oh my goodness, that will drive me mad. Okay, so what else about this job is attractive? Well, I'll be seen with lots of Christian celebrities and get my picture in the paper. That was the honest moment when he understood what was driving his decision. And these guys spoke truth into his life and said, actually, that's not the way for you, is it? And he said, no, you're right. This is not the job for me. But without that sense of being accountable, he would have bowled himself into a job that he'd end up hating. So, now, Simon talks about this a lot, but I thought perhaps we ought to explain it and unpack it a little As you enter a home, give it your greeting. If the home is deserving, let your peace rest on it. If not, let your peace return to you. If anyone will not welcome you, or listen to your words. Leave that home or town and shake the dust off your feet. Mm. Jesus gave himself some clear instructions on how we were to relate to other people. Basically saying, look for your people of peace. Those who welcome you. Those who are genuinely interested in you. Want to hear your story. Share your life. Buy you coffee and marble cake. Those people who bring you peace. (laughs) Not anxiety. Now what Jesus is basically saying is that not all relationships are helpful. Some relationships are in fact can be toxic. They can be abusive. I've come across some masochistic Christians who think it's okay to be a doormat for anybody and everybody because that's love. Well, I'm afraid I've got to tell you that Jesus says quite the opposite. (laughs) He says, walk away. It's okay to walk away from people that don't like you. It's okay to walk away from people that are abusive towards you, that don't care for you. That's not the kind of martyrdom that Jesus calls us to. Some relationships we must maintain, though, don't we? Because we've all got families. I'm being honest with you. You've got families. (laughs) And not everybody in your family is probably the most helpful person. You might come from the most perfect loving family, in which case, turn yourself, turn off. This bit's not for you. (laughs) If you come from an average family, you've got people that actually, you know, they drain you and they're not good for you. And you need to set boundaries and limit your exposure. We did a test when Simon and Keeley came to here, and evidently I've got the gift of positivity. I don't know where that came from, but anyway. But what that means is I can't stand to be around people who are negative. (sighs) Because it drains me. Because I feel I've got to be positive all the time, and I'm now carrying the whole load of positivity because I'm surrounded by all this negativity. Oh, it's draining. Tell you. We need to detox some of our relationships. Get rid of the people that undermine you, take you for granted, take advantage of you, walk away. Seek new ones. Find the people of peace. Because Jesus says that love walks away. We don't have to be hurt or grieved. Now, there's a little test for you, and I think we're going to overrun, I'm very sorry. Who can tell me, anybody recognise a logo or two up there? Yeah, come on, shout them out then, who have we got up there? Facebook, Twitter, Twitter. Vimeo, Vimeo. YouTube, WhatsApp, Spotify, Uh, Spotify. (laughs) This is a bit getting a bit worrying because down here they know them all. Hmm. <laughs> right. So how much time do you spend with social media? How many friends and followers do you have? Is it a competition? Now who's got hundred friends on Facebook? Two hundred? 300? Any advance for 400? 500? Oh, look, they're still ongoing. Six? Seven? Eight? Nine? Oh, a <laughs> thousand. One person in the room's got over a thousand people on Facebook they're friends with. Wow. You know, good communication tools, but for building deep relationships, not so much. Now, Jesus took his disciples on a road trip. And they went walking around the countryside. They walked, they talked, they camped, they ate meals together. In short, they did life together. So that after three years, when Jesus went to the cross and he died, the sense of devastation was gut-wrenching. True, deep friend. He was not only their Lord, but he was somebody that he'd spent time investing in their lives. Pouring himself out into their lives. Now, Jesus had 12 disciples. Three of them were a bit closer to the inner circle, and one was probably top of the pops. It's a good model. We can't know everybody. We can't be friends with everybody to the depth of deep relationship. Can't even do it in a church this size. So we need to keep the small within the big. So that's why it's so important for you to be in a home group or in a small group, so that you can be known within that group. That's where truth can happen. That's where doing life can happen. That's where loving one another can happen and bearing with one another can happen. You know, we need to look at our social media and do a bit of detox. And before we take the next selfie... (laughs) Now, I've an interesting statistic. I can't imagine how this happens, but let's give it a go. Um... OK, we need, a, need the camera up, OK, the camera, OK, yep, all right, let's see what we're doing, Ah, oh, there it is, yeah, camera's up, up. right, OK, now oh, perhaps I should take it with you lot, then I can see how many, I can, I can boast about all the people I'm preaching to, was that good? Yeah, that's good, yeah, I'll oh, turn the camera, yeah, I've got to do it the other way around, haven't I? Yeah, thank you, Keely, you tell her how, how often I've done this, can't you? Yeah, OK, turn it around, OK, oh, good, OK, we're around. Oh, that's fantastic. That's great. Now, do you know what? It takes, evidently, on average, an hour to take the perfect selfie. I've just taken one, but it was my bald head was shining, so I'm not going to use that one. Okay? It doesn't show me in the best of light, so I've, I've got to work on this to get myself a little bit more, you know? Hang on. Do I need a bit of makeup on? Just to... Take, take some of the wrinkles out, just. To, you know. <sighs> Why are we using social media? If you're using it to seek approval, let me tell you it's addictive. Every time you get one of those likes, you get a little bit of a spike in your adrenaline, and it's addictive. You know, the goodness or badness of your day is not dependent on how many of the likes you've got on Facebook. Or followers on Twitter. Do you know that? And if, and if you're using social media to get some kind of approval, it's a bad place. And it's not going to satisfy. Real approval, real acceptance, comes from real, proper relationships. So don't take a, cup of a, fel- you know, a selfie with your coffee. Just go and arrange to meet somebody for coffee and have a face-to-face conversation. With them. Now, some of us are very humble people, aren't we? And we would never put on Facebook anything that would resemble boasting, would we? <laughs> we wouldn't want to show off in any way through how we are posting the events of our life. We're not in any way saying to everybody else, Oh, you losers, look at me. Well, if you're doing that, that's not very Christ-like. Are you doing it because you're actually not very content with your life? And that you think there's a better life out there, a more perfect life out there, and therefore by posting stuff on social media, you can tell everybody how perfect your life is? Well, let me that you into a secret. Everybody else out there has an imperfect life. And they struggle with it. And a lot of it's boring and mundane, it's routine, it's trivial, it's the everyday. You know, we can't use social media to satisfy a deep need, because it doesn't. God says, come to me and I will meet your needs. Come to me if you're heavy, you know, weighed down by life, and I will get alongside you, and I will help you because I'm caring and compassionate, and I love you. And so are the people around you. Now then, the other thing you've got to ask yourself is: before you post something is, is this a special moment that actually doesn't need to be shared with anybody except maybe yourself or the person that you're involved with? You know, there are lovely, sacred moments in life that are between one or two people, and they're special and they don't need to be posted all over facebook because when you do that it's kind of like you devalued it it's not special anymore it's just been shared and shared again and again and again until it loses its meaning and last thing is it kind is what you're saying out, putting up there on facebook kind is it loving is it gentle is it good there's a lot of hate out there on social media these days and we need to avoid that like the plague you know meeting together with one another and loving one another and building up true relationships means that we've actually got to talk to each other sometimes tell truth to each other sometimes say sorry sometimes forgive sometimes walk away because that's what god wants for us to have an abundant of life built on good solid relationships and if anybody wants a selfie with me after the service am <coughs> i can't even get the camera to turn around <laughs> let's just stand